0: Welcome to the Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. Someone look at someone and say, smile and say, you look wonderful. Come on, come on. You look wonderful. I want to uh, do part two today of our message, Where Is Your Shout? As I travel, gone to plenty of churches, I've noticed something. The shout of God is not very loud. Three percent of the church of God is actually sharing the gospel. People are in church, but their whole heart's not there. They're, not, they're passive in the way they live in their life for the Lord. Uh, there's not this excitement of knowing, wow, God, what can I do for you? There's, there's something that we're allowing the, I guess, the atmosphere in which we're living in today's world to kind of deaden our spirituality nerves. The Bible talks about that we should be fervent. Fervent is like fire. Look at your neighbor and say, fire in my bones. <laughs> and I, I just, want, just want you to understand that, that I read this testimony, uh, this book, and, um, and I love the guy who wrote it. And uh, he uh, was talking about a testimony of a person that came to the church. Person never been in church in their whole entire life. They're probably in their early 30s. Never been in church. There's plenty of people out there today. Came to church and saw something they never experienced. He said, Everybody. The person asked, what caused you to turn to Jesus? He said, well, actually, I came to church because I was invited. I only came because the people who invited me were kind. And I thought the least I could do after they asked me so many times, I went. But this is what happened. He said, but when I went, when I went, what happened changed me. The people were so happy about loving and serving God. They were so Loving upward to God and worship. The worship was so alive. And, but then I thought, how are they after they're done with their worship? And then he said, they were so kind to me. They were so kind and so loving towards me, a person they did not know. I said to myself, there has to be something real here. There has to be something why people would act this way. And he said, it was the worship of the people that opened my heart, not the word of God. And I'm like, Wow. You because, and then I started thinking, well, that makes sense because people want relationships. People want to get connected to someone. People want to know that they're loved, they're cared about. People want to know that you care about them before they want to really hear what you have to say to them. Someone say amen. Uh, but we sometimes want to say something to them of what we think is important without really caring for them. And I think that's where we go wrong. I, I, um, I was just sharing Jesus with someone the other day, and I, I approached it in a very personal way. I wanted to know how they were doing. I wanted to know, and this is not no fabricated deal. I'm not saying this is, you know, no, you just be real. You be who you are. Everybody's different, but you just love them where they're at, and you let them know, hey, I care. I really care about you. I, I don't know you much, but you know what? You're important to God, and you know what? You're, you're important to me, and I care about what's happening in your life. People don't really express themselves that way. So when somebody hears that, they're like, you care about me? Why? Nobody, my own parents, don't even care about me. Why do you care about me? Well, it's very simple. And I just start to tell them about my best friend. And that's all I do. God takes it from there. And I just want you to understand something, is that we need to get back to a shout. And I shared last week, and if you didn't see last week, and those online you didn't see last week, go back to last week, the power of a shout, because you realize the Bible talks about shouting. Yes, shouting. People say, I don't shout, you know, that's so rude. The Bible says about shout, but every time he talks about shouting, a victory of Jericho happened because the People of God shouted. They could have marched around one time, every time around uh, Jericho, and they could on the seventh day they could have done seven times and then stopped. But if they didn't shout according to what God wanted to do, that wall, those walls wouldn't come down. Exactly. Obedience is not partial. And sometimes in our life, we want God's blessing, but we only want to give him partial obedience and still be blessed. It doesn't work that way. Either God's all, you're all in, or you're just not. You got to be all in. Someone say all in. So what ends up happening is so, oft, so often that you and I need to understand is that, that people want just a real bona fide relationship with you and I. And when you do that with people, it opens up a great opportunity. Last week, we talked about the power of shout. And Jericho's walls fell because they shouted when God told them to shout. But then we also learned that shout is about worship. You always find joy with shout. Because when you're full of joy, you share it, don't you? What gets you excited? Because whatever gets you excited, you'll be talking about it. So my question is, how often do you talk about Jesus? If Jesus is way down on your list, there's a relationship problem there. Because the joy factor is not where it needs to be. Because who died for you? Who came to this earth for you? Who truly demonstrated that he loved you when you were a rascal? Is there any rascals in the house? Every one of you are a rascal. I know, I know, your mother thinks you're an angel, but you're a rascal. And so we need to find our shout. And last week, we talked about the power of a shout. Today, I want to talk to you about, especially on Palm Sunday, finding your shout with others. It's important, very important. The word shout there that we talked last week, teruah, simply means that the battle cry, it is a strong exuberance of a great noise that, that simply, simply uh, talks about a great joy, uh, a great victory, you're shouting about it. And that's exactly what they did in the walls of Jericho. Teruah, they were going for a victory. They weren't going to allow the walls to hinder them because they knew God was greater than the walls. And when you understand how great your God is, no matter what wall, what opposition, what problem, what situation, what heartache, what sickness. oh I don't care what it is because everybody has something. It may be different, but it's something. It's still a wall. It's still a hindrance. And the God that created you is more powerful than anything else. And when we recognize and realize that, it will give us a shout. And people will know, oh, here comes a shouter. But in reality, it really is a person who's carrying joy. And that's the reason why they are exuberance with their praise, because they they, they shout because of that reason. I want you to understand that today is Palm Sunday. It's a time we celebrate when Jesus came into Jerusalem and, and the people started to praise and celebrate the Lord. And there's a lot here. And the people started to shout, Hosanna. Blessed is he in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Now, when we take up our palms, this doesn't mean much to us sometimes. We remember what Jesus did and everything, but I hope today this changes you to remember the shout in unison and the power that comes from people together worshiping God with great joy. There's something missing today in many people's hearts. It's joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy. And joy is not when things are going well. Joy is not when things are going bad. Joy is across the board. It's not just one moment in your life. It's it's having a joy because you know whom is in control. Even when the winds do blow. Even when the waters filling the boat. Jesus is in your boat. Is that nice to know? There's a joy. Listen, I live in the same world you do. I probably have more problems because I deal with more problems than you probably, some of you have in your life. Not to mention some other things that you guys just know nothing about. But I will tell you this. I will tell you this. One of the greatest things that I know, my God is on the throne. One of the things that I know is that God is exactly who he says he is. Just say amen on that because it's the truth. That's like an exclamation point. A little boy was, uh, had a family, the mom and dad, it was a good, close family. And one day, one day, the little boy became sick. And he couldn't go to church. Little boy loved church. And so mom said, I'm going to stay home with little Johnny. And dad said, okay, then I'm going to go to church, which I think is great, dads. Dads need to be in church. You need to lead. Today, the amount of men that are in church compared to the woman is astronomically different. But I tell you, when the man in the church has a connection to God, it changes everything. Watch your statistics. It's true. Man, they may make fun of fathers on TV and all these sitcoms and stuff and make fathers look like bimbos. That's just the enemy trying to attack the core of a family. God created the man to be the head of the household. And that in that comes great strength and great unity. When the man of the household is the man of the household, some great things take place in the family. That's just P.S. Let me get back to my illustration. <laughs> I sometimes have these moments. That being said, the father went to church and came home, and he had palms in his hand. And so the little boy said, Dad, what's that? He said, well, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, uh, everybody got palms, and so everybody started waving, saying, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. And the little boy got all disgusted and sad. He says, the one Sunday I miss, Jesus shows up. And I miss it. You know, a lot of times people don't realize, but you can gain a lot from the gathering together in church. God is the one that created church. You know, man hasn't created that, you know. I know today people have some, a lot of images of church. Well, listen, they have a, they have a problem with God because God is the one that created it. He knows that we need fellowship with one another. Look at your neighbor and see him talking to you. In the Bible, in the Bible it talks about the great triumph entry. You see Matthew 21, Luke 19, Mark 11, John 12, all are talking about this important event. And it's really, really, really important. So let's do this for a second. You are, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and you know that you know that this guy, there's something different about this guy, this man named Jesus. He heals. He speaks like nobody else. And, and there's somebody Who starts to say Hosanna? Blessed be his name. And I just want you to join in, ready? Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now put a little bit of excitement into it, because this is Jesus, okay? Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, and Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. I can't believe Jesus is here. Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord. I want, you to get, I want you to put you there that day, that day. How much excitement! Because Jesus, every time He healed, He told Him, hey, listen, keep it quiet. Don't tell anybody. Hey, keep it quiet. Don't tell anybody. Not now. Jesus is about to make a statement. Jesus is about to fulfill pro- prophecy that's over 500 years old. Jesus is about to do something, and now He wants everybody to know He's not stifling anyone. Matter of fact, after that portion, it says, if they don't cry out, the rocks will. He's now open because he know his time is short. The reason why he said don't tell anybody because as he did more miracles it made it so hard for him to to walk and move and to go places he wanted to go because of the crowds. God God was always interested in changing hearts one by one. I think that's what we should live by too. Let's look at the portion of scripture this morning. Come from the book of Mark. Can you hit me? As they approached, verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt, a donkey tied there, which no one has ridden. Untie it, bring it here, and if anyone asks you, why are you doing this, tell them. The Lord needs it, and I will send it back here shortly. They went and found the donkey, the colt, outside in the street, tied to a doorway. As they were untying it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. Let's stop and for a second and ponder what happened here. Because this is important. Jesus gave the two disciples, we don't know who they are, two disciples. Someone say two. And the other ten stood behind, gave two a mission. Someone say mission. Gave a mission for these two to perform and said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the next village. You're going to find a donkey. When you find the donkey, I want you to untie it. And if someone says, why are you doing it? I want you to say the Lord needs of it. And they'll let let you have it. So they start walking on a mission, not knowing where this donkey is. I want you to get this. God didn't tell them what address it was. God just said, the Lord just said to the two disciples, I want you to go to the next village and you're going to see a donkey. And when you see it, I want you to untie it. I want you to look like a thief and untie someone else's donkey. Just think about it. He asked them to go untie something that belongs to something else. Any of you get a little apprehensive about that? It's like God saying to you, hey, go into that car, sit in it, get the feel of it. The keys are going to ignition and turn it on. And move it. Because that was their transportation. You say, God, I can't do that. They'll think I'm stealing it. God says, "Don't worry. Just tell him I need it." Now that's not going to work for you. So don't ever try it. It's not going to work for you. Okay? So you get to someone's car, turn it on, and you start moving it. You might see some fuzzy lights coming to your way. Never mind. God had an ordained plan and had this all set up. We don't know who they were. We don't know how it was set up, but God already had it set up. So I want you to think about this. I was thinking about this. I was thinking God gave two disciples a mission, a mission that was different, a mission that two of these individuals had to go on. And I said to myself, God, you're still the God of missions. You're still the God who wants daily missions in our life. And God, your God, your savior is giving you things to do every day. Someone say every day. You know, we have a habit of saying, well, God's not going to use me because I don't get the goods. I don't have it. Oh, they have it. God's going to use them. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That's what the devil wants you to make you think, that you're just not good enough. Right now, say it. Right in your, say it right now. Each one of you say, I am, I am good enough. In my God, he makes me good. He's my all in all. You're looking at the guy who's unable, who's unable to do a lot of things. But that never stops me from doing anything. Because I know the one who lives in me. I remember the time where I made my first piece of furniture. Never even used any type of carpenter stuff at all. I had in my mind to do something for the Lord, to customize cars. And I started to do a truck, and then I did a van, and I did a little bit of a motorcycle, but the van was my biggest project, and I I had to do all cabinetry. I've never did it. I never did it. But I said, God, you know, I know you can help me. And so I just did it. I just made my mistakes cutting this and just kept on going. Before you know it, I made a cabinet. That one little project turned into many kitchens down the line. What happened? When you take a step right where you are and you just do something, you know, you ask God for help, God will help you. The problem with people who don't do anything is they don't want to take a step of faith. They don't want to trust God. They want to have everything right there in their hands. God don't work that way. God said, go and get the donkey. Okay, Master. That's what he likes to hear. So everybody practice. Okay, Lord. Okay. I can't help it but to put the plug in for Escape the Ordinary because this is what it's talking about. It's about God doing daily missions in your life on a daily basis as you prepare your heart, your mind, and your vessel to be used of God. To have always be in communication so that God can use you. To be open, not for your benefit, but for the benefits of others. And God wants to send on missions. And just as the donkey started one of the greatest missions that started the Passion Week, these two disciples went forward not knowing where they were gonna go. They just knew they were going to the next village. They didn't know exactly what's coming. And your walk of faith is a little bit like that sometimes. God just wants you to say, Yes, Lord, I'm gonna do what you asked me to do. It's not easy. Is anybody how say it's easy? Because it is, you can teach me a few lessons. It's not easy. Following the Lord is never really easy. We don't live. This is not our place of citizenship. So there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be some hardships. There's going to be some tough times. But how many know that your God is the one who speaks to the storm? How many of you know that your God, when he tells you to shout, the walls could come down? How many know that when you believe and really believe it, God says it can be done unto you because you're walking in faith? Come on, say, someone say Amen. Don't get me preaching. You see, God is the God of the go. That's right, the go. Jesus taught his disciples. He said in Mark chapter 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel of creation. That's a mission mission. Matthew 6, 6, Jesus taught the crowd and his disciples, and he says this, but when you pray, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Go! A mission! A mission to follow him, a mission to share with others, a mission to go in prayer, to get the the ammunition, to get the closeness, to get the intimacy, so God can fill you up with that joy. You can't carry... The joy of the Lord, if you're not in his presence, it's like living off yesterday's or the two weeks old bread. Have you ever seen bread that's two weeks old? Come on. I know you have some in your house. There's probably some bread in that bread box that hasn't come out in a long time. And boy, today you're going to go home and let me check. And then, you know, I got some duck food. Matthew nine thirteen says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, but go. Jesus is teaching the leaders that should be leading, but they don't understand what Jesus is doing. And Jesus says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. God's telling the religious leaders, you need to go on a mission and you need to relearn things. Let me just be straight. And gentle as possible, what things in your life do you need to get on a mission with God so God can reteach you the things he wants to reteach you? Because in your mind and in your ways, you have thought you knew it all. But God says to the religious leaders, those individuals. I said, One of my prayers, I said, God, man, rebuke me in any way you can. That's why I write with a red pen. This boy will take rebuke from God and from others. I've had the rebuke from others, and I thank them afterwards because they did it in the right heart for my betterment. I thank God, for people who are for betterment. Betterment is they're trying to help you, not hurt you. A lot of times people think people are just trying to hurt, but they're trying to help. But God wants to help too. It just seems sometimes it seems like it hurts a little bit. Amen? You know, God, that kind of hurts. It's kind of hard. Jesus says to the Pharisees, but go and learn what this means. I want mercy. You're not just your sacrifice. I don't want all you're doing." That's a problem with sometimes the church. You do so much, but there's no relationship. God wants you more than what you do for him first. He wanted, he wanted Mary's time. He wanted Mary sitting at his feet. And he wanted Martha to do the same thing. But Martha had to work. Had to do, 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 do. But when Jesus responded and said, you know what Mary did? That's not going to be taken away from her. What she gleaned, what she gained. Because she sat at the feet, she listened, she learned, and then she's going to apply it to her life. She's going to be blessed all the days of her life because she learned to sit. And that's important for all of us to learn. Psalms 38, eight instructions in the go. I will instruct you, says the Lord. I will teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Did you get that? His loving eye, one, God's loving eye is on you. What? What? That's what your wife said. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> now, really think about it. God's eye is on you. He says he wants to instruct you. But he tells us to go. Follow. Walk in faith. Do what I, He says you walk. You go. You do. I'm with you. My eye's on you. God is a God of mission. These two disciples went on a mission. And because they mission, we get to part B of this text. You see, they needed a donkey to fulfill Zechariah. And to really understand Psalms 118. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's look what it says. Verse 7. It says this. When they brought the colt to Jesus. And threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road. While others spread their branches. They had cut in from the fields. Those who went ahead. And those who follow shouted. Someone say shouted. Yeah, they were excited. They were full of joy. They were full of anticipation. But here's the funny, funny thing about it. They didn't truly understand everything that was going on. And sometimes that happens to you and I. We don't always understand it. They shouted, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna. This is important. In the highest. Most people don't. uh, I'm not. uh, I'm trying to. There's a lot going in. There's a lot going on in me. And I'm trying not to overflow here. But 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 my my thing is so many people are in the church, but they're not connected to the Lord of the church. There are a lot of times people can do a lot of things for God, but they're not connected to the God. You know what I'm trying to say? A lot of times it's like you could be in a family or connected to a relationship in your family, but you're not connected to them. You might be in the same household, but you're not connected to them. And sometimes that's what happens. Uh, you know, you could be in the same place, but there's no connection. God wants to connect with you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God wants to connect with you. Because what happens here, what happens here is a fulfillment over 500 years from the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is a a book that's communicated many, many times in the New Testament. It's right up there next to Isaiah. I want you to understand that Zechariah says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Gentle and riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. Let me just explain something to you here. That that the word Hosanna is literally. Once I get, I said it before in the beginning, but Hosanna, Hosanna means a, this this aspect of Lord save, deliver, save us. When you see highest Lord, the highest save us, God Almighty save us. They're declaring. That portion of scripture, written in Zechariah, 500 about 25 years before Jesus actually is coming to Jerusalem, fulfills it just like 500, 600 years in the book of Isaiah, 700 years in the book of Isaiah. I I want you to understand something. God has a plan, and it's in his missions, daily missions, he's working it out in your life. Tell someone next to you that God's working it out. There was a man named Jehu. He's in 1 Kings. A prophet comes up to Jehu and says to him, You're going to be the next king of the northern kingdom. And all of a sudden, when the people heard it, they started to throw down their coats in front of Jehu the king, future king. It was an act of reverence, it was an act of royalty. And Jesus, for the first time, the first time, is treated like royalty. All through the life of Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus, he's not treated like royalty. They're trying to stone him. They're trying to kill him. I mean, he heals Lazarus after four days being dead, and they want to kill Lazarus, and they want to kill Jesus. I mean, all, but not on this day. This day, finally, there is a respect. There is a truly jubilant shout of victorious a moment that they are laying down their palms, laying down their their coats their outer da- garments, laying them down as an act of reverence and praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, I don't know about you, but I was thinking, as I usually do, sometimes too much, I started to ask some questions. And I started to think about everybody there. And I said, Lord, and this is, this is a true story, I said, Lord, who was the first person that started to shout Hosanna? Who is the person that started to sing or, or 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 proclaim blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord who, who is the first person to uh, you know lay down their coat a, as a, a way of homage and a way of reverence you know who is the first person that says I don't have something to lay down uh, my garments I can't do that and, and thought of getting the palms and and they decided to chop down the palms because that all has symbolic meanings in that culture but that's what they did They didn't have nothing to lay down, so they went to the palms and and laid it down in the branches. And so, but Lord, who is the first person? And this is where I thought makes all the difference. Because one person makes the difference. You can be influenced by one person in a positive way, and you can be influenced by one person in a negative way. Because the company you keep are the food you eat. And here's these individuals who are standing up. And listen, listen, proclaiming Jesus as Lord's, the deliverer in around religious leaders that want to kill him. It's a good way of getting kicked out of synagogue. I, wa- I want you to understand that the people who are proclaiming are not concerned about the people who disagree. They're bold and they're, they're believing something. Just say it. Just say it. In it to win it. Go ahead. They're in it to win it. They are sold. They're like, they recognize who Jesus is, and it's contagious. And whoever the one person is, whether it's the voice shouting Hosanna, whoever they were, they started a whole group of people that recognized, yes, this is true. It's sort of like a person, uh, sometimes people are afraid to do anything. I see this all the time in every church I go to, that people are afraid to be them because they're afraid of whatever people think. And I tell people all the time when you're, when you're afraid of what other people think, then you're not being who you are. Because God called you to be who you are. The problem is, so many times people are always worried about what people think. I'm not worried about what people think. I really am not. I've got past that so long ago. So long ago. And you know, I'll tell you the reason why. Because I'm comfortable in my skin. I'm comfortable. And what you see here is what you see everywhere. There's no difference. Let me tell you something that's really important that I need you to understand today is that would you be that one person that if you knew Jesus needs to be glorified, Jesus needs to be be, be needs to show up, or you need to say something. Will you be willing to say or stand up and say something to someone that nobody else is afraid to? Problem is, we're always looking for someone else to do it. God, get someone else to do it. I don't want to do that, Lord. But that's how we stunt our growth. Because we're afraid to be obedient in the things, or we're afraid to be discomforted. That one person, that one person, listen, listen to this. It took one person to start to praise. It took one person to start to shout. It took one person to start worship and honor as they put their coats on their branches. But look what took place. Before, now you, you've got a whole celebration of people shouting and it's loud, and it's joyous, and they're shouting, and they're joyous, and they're shouting. See the combination? The problem is that I think the people of God have lost their shout, lost their joy. If you lose your joy, you lost your shout. Because you know, you're not gonna shout about something you're not happy about. Now, watch this now. How many complain? And if you're complaining, where does that come from? Unhappy, non-joyous, right? But when you're happy in the Lord, what comes out? It comes out a jubilant. It's like, God, you know, even in tough times, you know, I don't know what God's doing. I don't even like it. This is difficult. But God, I know you're, and you go into a time of praise. Because from the time of praise comes the time of power. Look at your neighbor and say, mm good. Have you ever noticed, how many of you have ever been to a sports game? And um, especially hockey Um, or uh, football uh, soccer any sports game at all and you hear somebody start off and says this what happens defense 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 what look you're going yeah yeah (laughs) what happens to everybody who's voting for that team what do they start doing they join in so let's try this we're going to root for Jesus right offense for of Jesus, oh, offense, oh, offense, right? And all of a sudden we all join in because we're on one team and we want, we want to win. One person starts to chant. One person starts to chant. Now that chant can go wrong or it can be good. But one person starts to chant. And my question is for the church is, do you want to be that one person? Do you want to be that one person that's doesn't, not going to be afraid of Jesus Christ and standing up for his name? Are you going to be the person who shouts Hosea? Because, I'll tell you what, Hosanna, because I'll tell you what, when you start shouting, when you start proclaiming, because you have the joy of the Lord, you help your brother and sister out. Because I've seen this so many times. He said, when all of a sudden someone feels free over here to worship the Lord, someone said, well, they worship the Lord, I can worship the Lord, and then they get freer, and they start to be who they are. But sometimes you're going to a new church. When I go to a new church, I am who I am. You don't want to praise the Lord? I've come. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. So I go in Baptist church and whatever church is, and I raise my hand. I clap. I praise. And yes, I sometimes speak in tongues, but to myself, when the Spirit of God moves me, I have no problem speaking in tongues in a Baptist church. You've done it many times. I'm not being a disrespectful. This is between me and God. And someone says something to me and says, I'm sorry, but I'm in worship, and this is between me and God. And so, you know, I have no problem because I'm just very simple about those things, and I have never ever had a problem. I want to try to say to you is that I am who I am. God has done something in me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna change. I'm not gonna be disrespectful either. You see the difference? You got to be respectful. That's what God wants you. To. Love your brother. Love your sisters. Amen. But the bottom line, you got to be who you are. You have to have a shout. If you have a shout, if you have a joy, show the joy. Don't put it under the, Don't put it under a bushel. No, don't let the devil blow it out. But sometimes he has. Now let me just share one of this last thought here, and that is that the crowd is shouting, "Son of David, Hosanna," and it really is going back to Psalms one eighteen, and one eighteen is a powerful portion of Scripture. You see that word Hosanna is to save, to free, Lord save us. It's, it's a proclamation and we get that word from the Greek, Hosanna. And what happens so often that Psalms 118 is the psalm that when the psalmist was going up to the tabernacle, they would proclaim Psalm 18 as they are about to sacrifice. It's ironic that the very same words that the people knew exactly what they were doing because they would be going to the temple. They were about to sacrifice before the Lord. And there was very jubilant procession because in first in one one to five, it expresses the everlasting love of God to Israel in verse six to 18. It talks to you about the almighty everlasting power that God has demonstrated to his people. And then in verse 19, 29, it talks about God's everlasting salvation and his deliverance for his people. And here we have in verse uh, 22, we have this. The stone the builder rejected has become the capstone. This is Psalms 118, verse 22. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. You see the plural? Our eyes? Kind of a little bit of a Trinity aspect right there. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us with his boughs, his branches in hand. Join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. You, O God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God. I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Blessed is he, verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house to the Lord's house, we bless you. The Lord Lord is God. He has made light to shine upon us. His Jesus, right? They are quoting Right from this as well, this is, once again, this is something that the people did as a procession of going to sacrifice. And here's Jesus, getting ready to sacrifice, recognize he's the deliverer, the final deliverer that would deliver all mankind past, present, and future. Let me share something with you I think is pretty interesting here. Matthew 19.10 says the Son of Man came to seek and save that was lost. That's the main reason why he came. Let me give you the Jewish version of 118, verses 22 and 26. It's really powerful. The very rock that the builders rejected had become the cornerstone. This this has come from Adonai, and in our eyes, it is amazing. This is the day Adonai has made, a day for us to rejoice and be glad. Please, Adonai, save us. Please, Adonai, rescue us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Adonai. We bless you from the house of Adonai. It shows the incredible mission that Jesus had for you. God always has a mission. But the problem is we pay more attention to the things of this world than we do to what God has done. Look at this aspect here. This is the present. This is the past come. This is going to take place. And has it. Look what it says in Revelation chapter 7, 9. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multiple, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hands. These palms are a sign of victory. What's this victory? This is the individuals that have died in the tribulation who have dunked their robes in the blood of the lamb and now are in white, white robes and they have palm branches in their hands celebrating the victory. Amen. I don't know about you, but God has missions for us to go on on a daily basis and Jesus was on a mission for you. Tap somebody on the shoulder and say, God has a mission for you. It's a good way of waking everybody up since it's so hot in here. I don't know who is in control of the temperature today, but uh, um, you're not in control of it anymore. <laughs> Let me just close with this. One of the things, if you've ever done a little study, I want you to do a study on scriptures that have one another in it, one another. John 13, 34 is a scripture that has one another, and we are to encourage one another, love one another, your voice and how you use your voice can encourage another person. Please don't live for yourself. Live to make a difference. Live life so big that you are not in the picture and that God can use you. Just listen to a few of these one another commands from the Bible. Because this is how, this is how we can find our shout. With others when we sharpen each other, because iron sharpens iron. John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I love you, that you shall also love one another. Now listen, look at your neighbor, say, I love you. (laughs) John thirteen thirty five. But this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John 15 12 this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you did you get the picture you get your voice your voice can be strong I tell you this strengthen your voice and you'll strengthen your brother and sister don't go ahead and try to strengthen your brother and sister without strengthening your voice it's like the little the, the, the truth the Bible truth that God teaches us before you go ahead and correct your brother it, the Bible tells us take the take the bore it out of your eye before you try to take the sawdust out of someone else's. It starts with you first. Someone say, with me first. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another and honor them. Romans 12.16 says, be, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own head, your own estimation. Don't be, look at your neighbor right now and say, yeah, I don't have all the stuff yet. (laughs) Just say, I don't have all the stuff yet. yet. You know, we're all in the same room, room for improvement. But here's the question. Do you want to improve your shout, your joy? If you want to improve your joy, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? It ain't going to just happen by itself. It's like having a dirty kitchen. I really like to have a clean kitchen. I really do. I hate when my dishes are on the sink. Oh, I just hate it. I hate when I have dirty pans on the stove. Yeah, you know how to fix that? You wash them! You do something about it! So I ask the question, what do you need to change your life in the area of your joy in the Lord? What is not happening? What needs to happen? How can your shout be in such a way, your joy of your life, and your shout in which you walk your life can be encouraging to your brother or your sister? And listen... Nobody's there. Nobody's there. We're all in the same room for improvement. You might have some good days and good weeks and good seasons, but everybody has a season. Look at your neighbor and say amen. Mm. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another burdens, and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 4.2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance to one another in, in, in love. Ephesians 4.25, therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth to each other, to, with your neighbor, for we are all members of one another. I like this one, 4, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and His Son Christ has forgiven you. This is one of my favorites. I love the book of Philippians. And I love this portion, 3 and 4. Although this is just 3. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another more important than yourself. One another. One another. Do you know there's just under 50 scriptures that talk about one another? I don't know. I think it mentions two times to be born again in scripture. Two times. You must be born again. There's almost 50 scriptures talking about the love and encouraging and strengthening one another. I don't know. I think God's trying to tell us something. God talks more about money in the Bible than he talks about hell. I don't know. I think he's trying to tell us something because, you know, we seem to love money than we care about our eternity. We work so hard about get, 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 consume, consume, consume. But one day, the short life is over. It's over, buddy. I mean, I can't believe how fast my life has gone. It's been a bleep. And some of you can say amen to it, can't you? Bottom line is, we have to be careful that our shout needs to be alive and determines on the joy of the Lord. The reason why they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord who comes in the name of the Lord. The reason why they were shouting is because they saw a victory. They saw a victory. I no doubt believe their victory came in a whole different way they just didn't see the whole plan, some of them. Because they just, God's plans are always deeper. Always deeper. But God's plans are always so rich. And God has a plan for your life right now. He has a plan for you. Don't say, don't say, don't stop looking at all the, the negative stuff. That's just a devil just whispering in your ears, trying to discourage you. And try to take away your shout. You rise up to become the child of God God called you to be. God called you to be triumphant. That's what the Word of God says. God, when you take God's Word for what it says, that means you can put your head up high and understand. Yeah, it may not be easy sometimes. Yeah, it may be tough, but your God's still on the throne. You are not alone because He's given you victory. Take your palm branch without poking anybody in the eye and just wave that thing as a victory. What do you need victory in your life? What is that victory? What is that vi- What is that? something in your life that you need God to come in and come through? That your joy would be your strength. Father, I pray right now that you would touch each one. Lord, that those here and those watching online, Father, that they would truly understand your mission to seek and save that which was lost. I pray right now for those online. If they do not know you, Father, if they do not know you, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that you move upon those here and those online, that you would help them to understand this great work that you have. And that, Lord, you have victory. You have a joy to receive. And Father, I pray right now, you touch hearts. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's so easy. Just open your heart and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have sinned. I have done wrong. I've done it my way. And then simply say, God, come into my heart. I yield, here's a word, I yield my life to you. I surrender my heart to you. I believe you died on the cross and on the third day, You rose again. That is the celebration of next Sunday. That is the celebration of the shout of an empty grave. Let me tell you something. God wants to do a great work. And if you want Jesus in your heart and life right now, just ask him to forgive you of your sins and invite him there. And he will change your life. He'll change your life. How many know God will change your life? Amen. 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 God wants to do great works in you and through you. Stand to your feet. Blessed be his name. Let's just go before Father. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm just going to ask you the question here before I pray I'm going to ask the question it's just like your joy that you carry in your heart are you more worried about the troubles are you more worried about the problems are you more worried about the if and buts are you more worried about all these stuff And is your mind so concerned about so many things that Jesus does not take any part of your life that's a relationship problem if Jesus does not take part of your life there is a relationship problem And God came so you can have relationship with God. I'm going to pray. The altars are always open to take a moment to ask God. Ask God, God, I need to walk in your joy so that my shout may be heard. But more importantly, I can encourage those who hear my shout. I I can help others who need help. Father, I pray right now, Lord, iron sharpens iron. Father, I pray that we would have a desire to hunger and thirst for you. God, I pray right now, will you do a work as we look unto you? The joy of the Lord is our strength. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Will you do a work, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and blessed by this week's message. If you would like to know more about Salem First Assembly, you may email us at Assembly at comcast.net. That's Salem, the number one, assembly at comcast.net. Check out our Facebook page at Salem First Assembly or go to our website at salemfirstag.org. We look forward in hearing from you. Join us again next week for another message from Pastor Brian D. Corkum.